I, I told the first service, I, I'm, I'm doing something different. Uh, I'm preaching a different sermon than I preached the first one. I'm not used to this, and so I have 31 years of experience of, of, of sermons, and so uh, uh, I'm going to change. So he was, you missed it the first, uh, first time? The last one wasn't that good? Uh, we're trying it. If it doesn't work, I don't have to worry about it. I had a board member say this morning, he said, don't wow them too much. I want you to stay. He said, there's no problem there. So uh, my wife, if she would stand, this is Rita, a wife of almost 37 years. Uh, she's, she's from Iowa. She's Dutch. Uh, she married out of the faith. Uh, I'm not sure what I am. Uh, so when we got married, I told her father that... Uh, if you know any Dutch, hey, I'm, a, I'm from Texas, and I went to be youth pastor at New Sharon, Iowa, and I never heard the like of a name. What country am I in? Van Gorbs, Van Dusseldorps, Van Wykes, and so I, her dad was L. Scott, and so I said, I'll just change my name to Van de Green, because my last name's Green, and so he, he seemed to like that. I have my uh, oldest son. He's in the back. I, I taught him better than that. Uh, he's back there. My youngest son, Mike is 28, married three years. Uh, they're school teachers in St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, he just was a teacher at St. Joe Christian School where he taught history and uh, senior Bible. And this year he's going to a junior high school of uh, <laughs> 13 and 14 year olds. Lord help him. Anyway, uh, so uh, he's way on the back, but uh, we love him and he, want, he decided to come with us. His wife. We'd like for her to come. Uh, Glance said she would have loved this. She would have. So, but Cody's uh, 24, uh, single. Anybody? Uh, we're looking. He just received his papers with the symbols of God. His, I won't say his training wheel papers. Uh, Micah says that he's been watching his brother in the service. He's, Cody's in charge of my service. I hope I have a church. Uh, the youth are doing it. Last year, he took a group of kids to Kentucky for fine arts, and I said, Cody. Uh, why don't you take these kids and put something together, program, and go to all our churches and, and minister besides just trying to get a little plaque and trophy. So that's what they're doing. He just, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went to uh, 45 minutes away to Tarkio, Missouri, and his youth group did drama, sign language, worship, uh, and one of the young men preached. And today they're doing the same thing, and, and they're, live, they're live streaming from Worth County, Missouri. How many knows where Worth County, Missouri is? <laughs> Uh, we're eight, five miles from Iowa. Uh, we're the smallest county, 2,000 in my county. Uh, as he said, 800 and something in the town. Uh, we, we were called by God 31 years ago to be pastors there of a, a group of 50 to 65 people. A uh, little bitty 24 by 50 building. We had to do something and they had bought some land and land says we, we built a church. Uh, I, I went to town there. I was the youngest pastor. And now I'm the oldest. And I've seen pastors come and pastors go. Four churches, Methodist, Christian, Baptist, and us. And uh, I don't know about, maybe raised Pentecostal. I've heard of the Pentecostal stigma, being the other side of the tracks. I had never really experienced that in my life, uh, in my ministry, because I've always been, some dynamic, been to dynamic churches. We went to Grant City, and people looked like us. We were weird. You tongue-talking, holy rollers swinging from the chandelier. No chandelier, so no problem here. And so uh, we started out there, and uh, we're, as he said, we run over 10% of our community. 
we feel like God gave us uh, a message uh, to preach and feel like God came and, and, and said, you, you do what I want to and you'll be a lighthouse for 25 miles out. And we have people that come. I know for you to drive across, it seems like 25 miles across Sioux Falls, uh, come from everywhere. I have people from all, a lot of states. I have Baptists and Methodists and Catholics. There's some Assembly of God, Dutch Reformed. And uh, it's, it's been exciting getting those people to work together, and, and we loved it. Micah, of course, we were youth pastors here. We didn't have kids. He said, why don't you got kids? We're raising yours. Why would we want something like that? And so uh, then Micah came along, and then four years, Cody, and uh, we have been blessed. Uh, they are not your typical preacher's kids. Preacher's kids usually get out cuss, out drink. Uh, mine never were. Uh, straight A students, National Honor Society, uh, football, baseball. They didn't like basketball, golf. Uh, they're very good at all those sports. Uh, Micah is six one, six foot. Uh, took him a while to get there. Uh, Cody decided at fifteen, we're going to six two, and he has. I told Micah, <laughs> I got, I don't. Hey, we don't have another service. I can talk all day. All day. Uh, <laughs> Like Paul, as he continued on, no, there's no windows to fall out, so no problem. Uh, Micah uh, was uh, always picking on little brother. Not bad. They loved one another. Uh, and I told Micah one day, he said, hang on, payday's coming. What do you mean? Cody's going to be bigger. I'll always be older. That is true. And I can remember the Saturday morning, I'm eating breakfast, and I hear, see the boys wrestling on the floor, and directly I hear a cry. And I said, Micah, leave your Cody, let go of Micah. <laughs> and uh, he's, Cody's uh, was all state district in. He's just, he work, still works out with weights. He's, he's just a jock. He, the problem is Micah, neighborhood boys play football in the yard. And Cody, from a little bitty age, would play with them, and they would tackle him and pile on top of him and knock him down. And then he goes to school, and he would tackle them and pile on and knock them down, just these other kids. And he, he realized he could live through brother. And he's just, he has a vice. I don't mess with him. <laughs> just, I know, I know when to leave him alone. But he's, he's home preaching for me today and doing the service, and we love him and love them both and love my wife. And the years here, the Knopfs, uh, I didn't have many uh, high school kids. I had mostly college age youth group. Man, love the Lord, dynamic. And uh, Pat, see Pat Jr. here. Of course, Lance, we've always loved Lance. There's been times, but we've always loved Lance. He told the first group that uh, he, we taught, taught him how to break at my house. We'd come home and there he'd be. By himself or with a whole group of boys playing Pinochle or Rook or something in my house and ready to go to bed at night and wake up and there's boys everywhere. And Jim Reed said, you got to start spending time with the girls. Well, tell them to come over to the house. And they always came to my house. Of course, Lance, I remember him coming and I taught him golf. I taught him racquetball and he got where he could beat me. I tried to teach him how to be a mechanic. Uh, I was his best man in his wedding. Still am. But anyway... Uh, he would come down to see me when he moved to Grant City before he got married, and he was, he was in the fit, physical fitness. And he got there at 10 o'clock one night and said, I'm going to go run. Okay. 
It wasn't going very long. You come back and go, man, what? Man, that's scary. What's scary? It's so quiet. I could hear a dog way off in the back of the church. Anyway, in a distance. And my feet is all I could hear. And so uh, Lance is, and of course, he fell in love with Joan. We got to be in their wedding, and uh, what, what fun he has been. I got to preach for him. He's a youth pastor of Wisconsin and, and kept up with him, his friendship, and now he's, he's pastoring here in, uh, in his hometown, and may, God has blessed you. I preached this morning on the first service being unpredictable. Get out of your rut. Change things. And I have to admit, this church is unpredictable. It's a little different compared to some traditional Assembly of God churches, uh, and uh, you are blessed. He is trying to reach his generation. And uh, I thank God for him and thank God for you and what they're doing. And uh, we're glad to be here this morning. Uh, I want to change my sermon uh, from what I did to, to this. I almost preached this. Uh, then I changed and maybe I messed up. But Joshua chapter 1, I usually have a clicker and control myself. So uh, she's, she's going to look good. There is a clock back there, isn't there? Uh, Joshua 1, 14b through 15. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest. As he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land, and the Lord your God is giving them. Next one. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all the authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach, them the, teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you, the, given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. And you and your fighting men shall... Boy, that's on there twice. <laughs> Computer's messed up. I'm, I'm not computer savvy. Have I got anything else after that one? Yes. We'll stop right there. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, besides being pastor, I teach Sunday school class. Uh, we still have Sunday school. We have youth at Sunday night. We have a prayer meeting Wednesday night. We don't do that anymore. We have a praise team practice. So Sunday morning, I have a, a men's group of a, a group of men, married, unmarried. And being there 31 years, some of these, I've watched these boys grow up. Uh, and some of them are men that's just moved into the community. And, and just now, within the last year, God is doing a phenomenal thing with our men. I've always preached that you and I should be encouragers and help each other to get to heaven. Our goal is to get to heaven. Spend eternity with Jesus Christ. But we have issues and we have hang-ups. I believe, I'm sure there's a promised land in the physical. I'll leave that between you and God. But I do believe there's things that God wants you and I possess, to possess in the spiritual realm, I believe there is a spiritual promised land. God said you shall have life and life more abundant. But I see all, all too often most Christians do not experience or live in an abundant life. They don't understand it. They want it. But the problem is we as a church need to go back to the Old Testament and realize that God has given us possessions that he wants us to go and take. Not that we go into a physical battle. But we're to go and make disciples. We're to go and encourage. And my men just now are getting it. I said, if you've, if you've got a sin in your life, if you've got a problem, you, need, you can go to God and God will deliver you. I believe that. I've seen God do that. 
But sometimes there's some things in our life that just hang on. We ask God to forgive us and feel his cleansing only within a week or two or a month. We catch ourselves doing that which we did not want to do, almost like Paul in Romans, that which I don't, that which I do. And so we struggle with those battles, those issues, those walls, those, that enemy in our lives to get to victory over them. Now I said, when we find ourselves praying and asking God to deliver us, but catching ourselves to go back into that battle and fighting that, if you cannot have the faith to accomplish it on your own, we have warriors in the church. And you and I must be willing to go to one another and say, John, 1 John, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you be healed. Yeah, pastor, I start confessing, they're going to start gossiping. Whoa, let God take care of them. But God says, start comparing, or confessing these, these things in your life. And so I've, I teach my people, teach my men, if you've got a hang up, you come to me. Come to me. And we'll talk about this. And we'll pray. And I believe this. When you confess to me your problem, it becomes my problem. Because God says we make up the body of Christ. We're not all hands, we're not all eyes, we're not all feet, but God puts us together to help one another to become healthy. So when someone has a fault, you all have faults this morning. When you confess to one another, be careful, don't gossip. God will take care of that. Uh, he will, I guarantee you. But helping one another to tear down the walls, to get possessed of the land that God wants you to have. And my men are just now getting it. And a couple of Sundays ago, we were, were going through Romans. And before we started, there's a, there a man in my church. And he said, I got to tell you guys, he's just, excuse me, just had an affair. I thought I had the victory over this. And I went to my wife and I've apologized and I've asked her to forgive me. And, and, and she has. And I thought I had this whipped. And I, I said, it's our problem now. Because all too often, church is going, uh, your membership, uh, we would like you to find someplace else to go. That's not the church. We all struggle. God wants us to have a promised land. So we put here in the center, we got around and we prayed. And that's opened the doors for all of us to start praying and, and encouraging one another to get our possession that God wants us to have an abundant life. And so we've been praying. I also started something. I told our board we're going to do this. In my class, we, we put our name on a piece of paper. We put it. We wear baseball caps at our church. Some of the guys do. I don't. Put our name in, and you, you to draw a name out. If you get your name, put it back and draw another name out. And said, I want you, from this day till next Sunday, to pray for that name of that person. That God will bless them. God will deliver them. God will bless their family. God will bless their work. God watch over them, speak to their hearts and their lives. And we've been doing this now for a month. They, I just got a text a while ago. I've got, I've got a name. This is your name to pray for. Uh, I just had him last week. Well, God must know he really needs help. He's a board member. He does need help. Anyway, we've been doing that. But my other brother, you know what? God's working. God's working. God, God's, God's, God's stirring us and he's changing us. And the women have been praying for us. But God is starting to do something, and I, I'm seeing some, man, I'm seeing some great things happening in these people's lives. Yeah, we still have struggles, but there's a land. And God has said, he's telling them in the Old Testament, once you get your land, you don't stay there. You fighting men, you go with the rest of the army until they all get their promise. They all get their promise. 
What is it you need in your life? What is it your brother or sister next to you has need? What are we doing to help them win the battle so they can possess their land? And so God tells us to go make disciples. He never tells us to go get people to say the sinner's prayer. You go get them, get them to become a disciple and help them. Lance Wrench, I never knew what I was doing. When this young man would come to my door, just got I got to baptize him. What a I was thinking, I told him this morning, all the first. My first wedding, Dennis and Robin. I asked him this morning, how's it going? Dennis said, we could use some counseling. Huh? Yeah, they could. Uh, uh, just call me. I, anyway, no, all the first, and it, it was all neat. First, snow had to blow and blow and blow anyway. But to possess this land, and, and Lance would come over and ride around with me, and golf with me, and racquetball with me, annoy me. No, no. Just have fun with him. I didn't realize. I'm discipling him. He's, he's become my Padawan, for those of you young people, my apprentice. People would come to him, and of course, Lance had just gotten to church. Well, what do you believe? And Lance would look at him, what, whatever he believes. Point at me. He hadn't been to Bible school, hadn't been saved very long. I believe what Lynn believes. And I got the privilege of discipling him. And I won't tell your pastor. We sometimes as ministers, excuse me, I'm a, I'm a crybaby at times. We minister and we minister and we minister and work with people only to see them leave the church and leave God. And that rip, we, 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 we put our lives into them, hours and hours of our lives of loving and praying and encouraging them only to walk out. And we sometimes wonder, is it worth it? But when you see young men and young women that you got the minister to, you get called in the ministry, saying, yes, my ministry is carrying on. That's been always my desire, that young men and women out of my ministry would go into, we're all in the ministry, but into full-time ministry, and God has blessed you with this young man and a wonderful, beautiful wife. And if you want something to do, I told Lance, let's do an illustrated sermon. His, his yard is full of weeds. And tell everybody, just come in your old clothes, and we're all going to get in his yard, we're going to pull weeds, and I'm going to talk about the weeds of our life. That would have been great. Anyway, uh, just a thought, but not we're here this morning. There's a land for us to possess. So in the book of Ephesians, God tells us, now these are the gifts of Christ he gave to the church, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. Now, I'm, I'm old line, a raised assembly God. Slept in assembly God pew. My dad was never saved that I knew of. My mom always took us, and I've always heard and preached, and I'm not sure what apostle was or a prophet was. And I, I, evangelist, I knew. Every once in a while, an evangelist would come when I was a kid and preach a week or two-week service. Really going good, may go three. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night for two weeks. We used to do that. And sometimes at night, we would stay till midnight in the altar seeking God. That's old line. We don't do that anymore. We give God our 30 minutes, and if he's not done by then, 
we'll give him next week. That's just, that's our culture, it seems like we live in. So I looked at this list and I thought, okay, a, a prophet, every once in a while come by the church, an evangelist come by church, and maybe a teacher everybody come by church, and uh, I, I'm not sure what, I didn't put apostles on this list, I left them off, because I, I do think that they're the leadership of the church, that God is, Lance to some extent is an apostle, he, 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 he's the visionary, and he has leaders underneath his vision that will, will help him in that way, so I've, on purpose, I, I leave, I've left out prophets. Do I have, what's that, what do I have next? Uh, this will continue until we all come to the unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we all be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. Then we'll be no longer be immature, immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll be, not be influenced when people try to trick us and lie to us and so clever. They, they sound, it sounds like the truth. And so, uh, the first one is prophets. And we understand the prophets of the Old Testament. And I, I, and I think there's some people in our day and age that call themselves prophets. And I want to put this on a church, false church level. In this body, the first group in this group, they are prophets here. What else I got? What I got to say about them? They speak under the direct impulse of the Holy Spirit. We hope. Nobody likes a prophet. I read the Old Testament, I find out they kill the prophets. But I'm finding in the church that sometimes we need somebody to get in our face and say, thus saith the Lord. We need that. You need that. I know we serve a loving and merciful and graceful God. But I believe there's prophets in a body. in a local, How many? Sometimes we only need one. But some of you have the ability through God's mercy and grace. Make sure you're directed by God, please. But to realize there's problems in people's lives and to be able to get in their face in a loving manner, not the flesh, but tell them what's going on in their life. There's a reason for that. We had a young lady one time in, in, our, in our, our group and uh, uh, come and counsel with my wife and share and talk and share and we'd cry and we'd pray with her and talk and share and cry time after time and I finally looked at her and said I'm tired of praying for you as a Christian that has a problem you just need to get saved it may be tough but she needed that and there's people need to hear at times thus saith the Lord. Sometimes we need a good kick in the seat of the pants. We get comfortable. We get predictable. Life becomes a rut and somebody comes along and they need to put dynamite underneath our seat and just blow us out of there. We need that. Wake us up. God, wake us up. Somewhere in the church and this body group, there are prophets. Make sure you're led by God, but God wants to use you to help people in areas of their life. But just realize, nobody likes prophets. They may hate you, but that's just part of being of this. Next one, evangelist. What's an evangelist? As I said, every, every so often we have an evangelist come in. Who's the evangelist? Who's the evangelist in the church? Forget this. I went to my, uh, the presbytery, Northern Missouri District, and I said, I need a good evangelist. 
And all these presbyters kind of gave me that, huh? Because I grew up as a kid, man, the evangelists come in and just, whoa, just stir us up, revival. But who's the evangelist in the church? My definition of that on the lower level is they proclaim the good news. They inspire. They are the cheerleaders. They're the type of person, when somebody as a prophet comes to you and gets in your face, the evangelist comes along, but yeah, you can do this. You know what God's going to do in your life if you turn over to him? Man, there's blessing after blessing, and God wants to speak to you and use you. He, they want to inspire you. They want to build you up. They want to encourage you. So after the prophet just beats you down and thinks, you think, I'm a nothing and a nobody, the evangelist says, you know who you are in Christ. Man, you know he died for you. You know, when you were so miserable and unlovable, God loved you enough to die for you. And if he did that while you were not worthy, how much more does he love you now? Man, he wants to bless you. We need the evangelist. We need the encouragers. Next one, please. Pastors. I understand we have pastors sitting on the front here. What is a pastor? They oversee and care they are shepherds. I don't call myself a reverend. I call myself a pastor. But we need pastors in the church besides this man and this man and whoever else is a pastor here. There are people in our churches that have pastors' hearts. Pastors' hearts. They're willing to die for the sheep. Yes, We've been called a full-time ministry, but I think there's some pastors in this group that God wants to use you to encourage and uplift and just love when you're down. Besides, evangelists cheering you on, but the pastor comes along just full of mercy. They don't care. They're almost like a mom. You cannot kill a mom's love, and a pastor just comes along and just loves you and encourages you and helps you. Uh, I, I talked about it this morning, but there's a man in our community. Uh, 30 years ago, his, his aunt asked me to go witness to him. And he told me very graciously, I'll never darken the church door. Okay, we're still friends. We still talk. He worked at IV. He loves to hunt. I love to hunt. Uh, he's, just, he's just a fun guy. And I, I, he got saved. Uh, his mother-in-law moved in with him. The scripture ladies, the, the submissive, quiet wife, will win her husband over. This mother-in-law won him over by just him seeing her read prayer. Read, read the Bible. Thank you. My wife's here correcting me. Uh, pr uh, praying at night. She'd go to bed at night, and he, he'd be watching TV, and she was going through a list of people to pray for. And he could hear that. And he saw, he saw a peace and a love. And he come by my house one day and said, Lynn, who's the Holy Spirit? Well, Galen, why do you ask? I had a dream last night. Galen, he's God, and he's dealing with you. And Galen has got saved. Cody and I got to baptize him. I have never baptized a, man this way, a person this way in my life. His, eye, his wife's eyes got this big around. We baptized him. He helped me baptize his wife. My, my son and I grabbed him by his ankles and his arms, and we picked him up, and we put him under. <laughs> it was funny, because I, I thought when he come up with his feet, I turned around and looked, and he hadn't went underwater yet. And he says, Lynn, you grabbed me, and I took a breath. 
but before you put me under, I lost it. And we shoved him in. He gave his testimony. That man that said, I'll never darken the church door, I guarantee you if you're here this morning, he'd be witnessing to you and sharing Jesus with you. But I told my wife, before he even got saved, Rita, Galen has a pastor's heart. What are you talking about? He has a pastor's heart. We go out and eat with him. He gets phone calls. There's an alcoholic calling him. Before he's saved, he's pastoring this person. Then this other person calls him, and he's encouraging them and loving them. And we're in the car, and Rita goes, get this, gentlemen. You hear it every once in a while. You're right. You're right. Now that he's got saved and in a church, he calls people. He encourages them. He, he takes him and my wife take them food. And I'm going, he goes to the nursing home. He just blows me away because of his pastor's heart. Pastor's heart. And there's pastors in here that God, God wants to use you to encourage and love and help mother people. What are you doing? See, God wants us to possess the land. Last one, teachers. And God-given gift to clarify God's word. The prophet comes along and slaps you in the face. The evangelist comes along and tries to hoorah-rah cheerleaders. Pastor comes along and loves you, but there has to be men and women who can say, hey, this is where the prophet's coming in the word. This, this is what the scripture says in these areas. And, and, and yeah, the evangelist, yeah, he, he's trying to encourage you, but this is what God tells us to do. God tells us, and, he, and they, they show us, and they teach us, and they help us to understand. And some of you have that gift. I had, I had a man this morning come up to me. He said, I just want to encourage you. He said, I've been, I haven't been away from church. I come back, and I said, just be unpredictable. And you touched my heart. And, well, that, well, that feels good. Man, and, but there's some of you that will come along and say, hey, to this man. When's the last time you went up to him and said, this man, encourage him. When's the last time you went up to an older person or a younger person? encouraging or taught them, help them to understand what God has to say. It's 12.01. Would you give me five minutes? No? Oh, you, you know that joke, don't you? You, you South Dakota people are sharper than I thought you were. You've already done it. Uh, I've always looked at that scripture in Ephesians at all. I, I, who are those evangelists out there traveling around the world? But they're sitting right among us for the equipping of the body of Christ that we may possess that what God has for us. Because God has promises that will blow us away if we just realize. One of my old board members is dead and gone now. I'll close with this. He said, Lynn, what's sad going to be about heaven? When we get there, and we've seen all that we could have had and what God could have done for us. And we missed it. Yeah, heaven's going to be wonderful, walking on the streets of gold. But to realize what you and I could have had, and we missed it. Lance, I'm going to turn it to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Stand with me. Thank you for giving us a few extra minutes. I couldn't stop that preacher from talking this morning, and I'm so glad that 
Lynn and Rita were here. Say hi to them. Make sure you uh, greet somebody as you go from here. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Would your presence rest upon us? Help us to be the people of God, shining, uh, thankful for what you've done for us and, and how uh, you're, you're using our lives together as the people of God. May your presence continue to move freely in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you. Smile at somebody. Thank you for being here at Falls Church. We'll continue our Jesus King of Kings series next week, 2 Samuel chapter 6, David being more undignified than this, dancing before the Lord. Excited. Hope you can be here. You can find us online at falls.church or by searching Facebook at facebook.com slash fallschurch.sf.